You're listening to Spice Radio 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing well, thanks, Ben Karen. Awesome. And you? I'm doing okay, Charlie. I'm excited for the weekend. I am a little bit nervous, though, because I was looking at the forecast for tomorrow, and they said we're going to get a mixture of rain and snow, and I was hoping to not see white stuff, but looks like it's going to make an appearance. So, fingers crossed, it's not too much snow. How do you feel about snow, though, Charlie, in general? Well, it's if you're driving, it's a monumental hassle. <laughs> if you're commuting great distances, it's a monumental hassle, which I'm not. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I prefer it on weekends to during the week, put it that way. This is true, because at least you know there's not going to be as many people on the road if you do have to be out there. So yes, I don't think it's going to be too much, so people don't need to be too stressed out. But Charlie, I want to get into some news stories here. Now, this is a big one. The United Nations recently invoked Article 99, which hasn't been used for decades until this week. And they're saying that with the intensifying Israeli offensive and escalating civilian casualties, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres invoked a very rarely exercised power this week. Can you tell us a little bit about it and why it's significant? Yeah, the last time it was used was, you know, was it 50 years ago in 1971, uh, just over 50 years ago, uh, when the, there was massive famine in Bangladesh as, 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 Bangladesh, as you know, East Pakistan was separating from West Pakistan. So it's a very rare provision, and it's uh, part of the U.N. Constitution, and it states that the Secretary General, so basically the top diplomat of the U.N., can bring the Security Council's attention to any matter which, in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. So he doesn't have the power to do anything except to force, put this, this on the table in a way that uh, is pressing and urgent and in this case, he's worried about just the breakdown of humanitarian assistance in Gaza. The healthcare situation is, is just atrocious. You know, people are lined up outside the hospitals injured and, and you know, gravely uh, facing death. It's, it's, a, it's a horror show. And so uh, Antonio Guterres has, has done this. And I find it interesting, too, that this is happening in the midst of a climate conference, which has always been a huge priority for him. And um, But the problem that the world faces is the structure of the UN. You've got the five powers on the Security Council, which all have veto powers, so they're first among equals among the countries. One of those countries is the United States, which, which does not support a ceasefire uh, in the war in Gaza and, and the Middle East not only in Gaza, because rockets are firing on Israel from Lebanon as well. But um, that's, I think it will put up increased pressure on the Biden administration to take a stronger public role against what's happening. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Americans don't have to conform with this. The other members of the Security Council, you know, China, Russia, um, and others will, will may support uh, a ceasefire. I think the world is, many in the world are calling for a ceasefire just to, to address uh, the humanitarian crisis, but we'll see where it goes.
Yeah, we'll have to see where it goes. Now, another story, Charlie, and this one I'm finding a little bit bizarre, but it seems MPs have held a marathon all-night voting session in the House of Commons as the opposition conservatives fulfilled a promise to stall the liberal government's legislation with an avalanche of votes unless it scraps part of its carbon tax. Charlie, this is wild to me. What is going on here, and have we seen anything like this before? Yeah, I, I can't remember, you know, a situation where, you know, the, the the leader of the opposition stands up and accuses the prime minister of ruining everyone's Christmas. Like, I, I just thought it it seemed a little bit of hyperbole. I haven't felt that prime ministers ruined my Christmas. <laughs> I haven't even enjoyed Christmas yet. And But at the same time, this is how it's been framed, and... Polyev is trying to to get the government to continue rolling back the carbon tax. They 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 reduced it. Um, they eliminated it on home heating in the Maritimes in Atlantic Canada, which uh, created a big furor because others are saying, like in the Northwest Territories, for instance, the new premier has said he wants to lobby. Why why can't we 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 don't have the same options as they do in the South? Polyev um, has turned the carbon tax into his signature issue, and then he links it to all the problems in Canada, whether it's food prices or um, you know interest rates, you name it. He he ties it to the carbon tax, and so um, now we've got we're in a situation with round the clock voting on thousands of amendments uh, to prevent the government to do anything in terms of addressing the housing situation um, and, and you know, the economic initiatives that it wants to take. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of chaotic. And it, 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 to me, it kind of smacks of a, what we've seen with the Republicans in the United States, where they can become very obstructionist and almost obstructionism for the sake of obstruction obstructionism and uh, grinding government to a halt. And I'm, I wonder, you know, I think a lot of people want lower energy bills and a lot of people agree with Poiliev on, on eliminating the carbon tax, but others don't. But I do think that this is a high stakes game he's playing and it has the potential to blow back against him because what he was doing in the fall, and I think quite effectively, was trying to present an impression of himself as being not not the nasty old Pierre Poiliev. He's he's the good husband, the father, and a, a kinder, gentler Poiliev was emerging, and and now he's kind of gone back to uh, Poiliev, kind of the the, the hardball political operator. And, and I, I, I particularly think that this has potential to uh, bring NDP voters around to supporting uh, the Liberals to keep Poiliev out. I think it has it's a high risk game uh, with uh, women voters as a group. Um, not I don't want to say individually, but collectively, women tend to um, skew more to the center and left than men. And and this tactic of his, I, I feel it seems almost like high school politics in a way. How he's if 
you don't do it my way, I'm taking my marbles home. And, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But we had a situation where they were voting against uh, the MPs' uh, support for Ukraine. Um, that, that's a very uh, uh, dangerous game politically because there are a lot of people of Ukrainian ancestry on the prairies who are hardcore conservative supporters, and they're not going to like this. It's going to be interesting to see, especially the effects of all this when the election comes. It's still a long way. You know, it's not like it's a couple months away. We It's still, I think, what, in 2025. So let's see what happens here. But you're right. There's a lot of craziness going on. I think even um, I was reading about how the government house leader, Karina Gold, she was quite saying, you know, this is completely irresponsible what's going on and reckless. And she's like, we don't have time for these temper tantrum tactics. That's what she was saying about Polly. Yeah, and she called them bullies. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the and, and Peter Julian at the NDP was saying it doesn't serve the MPs well. It, it you know it's going to increase the costs of keeping the house operating overnight. Doesn't represent value for money. So you know I think uh, this canceling of Christmas is <laughs> there are risks. Yeah, and let's see, you know, what's going to happen with them. Like you said, only time is going to tell on that one. Now, another story, Charlie, and she seems to be someone that we keep talking about in the news. Now, as you know, Taylor Swift, she's time person of the year. But why I'm bringing her up this time is I came across this story of these two Americans who are going to be going to the concert in Vancouver next year. So, of course, they were booking their flights and their hotel, and they noticed that when they were booking their hotel in Vancouver to stay two nights in Vancouver in that time period in which Taylor Taylor Swift is in the city. It was going to cost them around $3,700 for two nights. Now, of course, there's this conversation about, you know, can hotels even price gouge that way? Like, is this a thing? And now there are going calls for, hey, can the government, you know, provincial government step in and do anything about this? But what do you make of this, what we're seeing? Because to me, this is kind of out of control, if you ask me. Yeah. And this wasn't even for the Pan Pacific or, or the Fairmont. This was for the Quality Inn and Suite yeah. downtown Vancouver. And, and like, this is, this is stunning. I used to work, actually, um, at hotel desks, and I would rent rooms because I'd work at the front desk when I was going to school when I was young. So I, I know this industry. And in, first of all, in winter, uh, the room prices generally crash because there are a few, few guests. Um, but Taylor Swift is, uh, I think there's a real risk of seeing some serious price gouging occurring. And it also coincides with the crackdown on Airbnb, but I'm not sure that, uh, this is, uh, I just don't think the demand for hotel rooms justifies this price. And, but what I think it, the effect of it's going to be is people who have Taylor Swift tickets from out of town who see these hotel prices are going to suddenly be selling their t- tickets. And we might see um, the after-sale market, the prices going down and uh, opportunities for more local people to see the concert. Now, actually, you know, maybe but that's a good way to look at it. The government doesn't have any rules against <laughs> the price of hotels, if you're wondering. No. So there's no rules, no regulation. Could they do anything, though, Charlie, to like be like, yeah. hey, you know, you can't price gouge that much? Yeah, they could come in and do something um, because they have have the power uh, to. They could, they, if they wanted to, they could pass a law and just say uh, because this is an area of provincial jurisdiction, they could say no no hotel rooms will cost more than 
you know, $1,000 a night in the month of December uh, 2024. If they wanted to do that, they could do that. Um, so, so it is within the power of the provincial government to regulate if they wanted to, um, but at this stage, there's never really been any reason to do it until now. Taylor Swift, right? She has that power. Weren't you telling me about like Taylor Economics or something? How she brings in a lot yeah, of money. <laughs> economics. <laughs> Even the, I think it was the the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve. One of the people was saying that she was helping you know, the economy because there was a lot of worries about recession. But in each of these cities where she was going, there was so much additional economic activity because of the tour. Mm, look at that. The power of Taylor Swift. Like I said, it makes sense why she's time person of the year. But yeah, hopefully they do crack down on this because this is just crazy. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, thanks. Bye.